Welcome everyone to episode six of season two of Riding Unicorns. This week we have Jean Name, who was a trained surgeon who then founded Touch Surgery, which was a, an app to help surgeons in their training, which was bought for hundreds of millions last year by one of the biggest medical device manufacturers in the world. And he has now raised an almost $1 billion SPAC in the same space, applying compute to healthcare which is something that Jean is super passionate about. His big thesis that he has is all around using tech to move healthcare forwards. Welcome everyone to Riding Unicorns. We are thrilled to have Jean Name on the show. Jean's got an awesome story. He founded a business which sold recently for hundreds of millions of pounds. Jean, great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Look, looking forward to having this very unscripted podcast interview. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, so we'll see. I think definitely a good thing, but we'll see where the conversation goes. <laughs> so to start with, it's always good to hear a bit about your journey up until now, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I kind of came out entrepreneurship from a, a clinical background. So, you know, I, I studied medicine. I was uh, training in surgery in plastics in London. And, um, you know, I, I always kind of engaged in research and, you know, whilst at Imperial, I did some research in surgical technology as a master's and, you know, continued to develop my interest around how can technology have an impact on healthcare and, and surgery broadly. And at the time, the iPhone was just coming to play and uh, myself and a, and a colleague, um, Andre, ended up building a building a business. And so we came at this very much from an angle of frontline healthcare professionals trying to solve what we felt was a, a problem that we fully understood and being curious and you know inquisitive and having that kind of academic discipline, we kind of you know, came at trying to, to build a solution around the problem. So that was really my background and how I got into kind of building technology. Cool. And, and tell us a bit about touch surgery and what it is that it does or how it started and how it developed and you iterated towards what was then sold. Yeah. So what we started with was really kind of trying to build a, a data framework around surgical process and trying to take surgery and turn it into, you know, a structured data step-by-step -step how to do a procedure. And then, you know, we put that on your mobile device, added kind of interactivity and virtual kind of like patients and made it like almost a very engaging tool that surgeons could use to prepare, rehearse, test themselves for procedures. And that's really how we started. I mean, the first product kind of output of this, this unique data structure that we put together was essentially a training tool for surgeons. And that's pretty much how it started. And it went from there. So did you get lots of uptake with the surgery training app and what were the sort of hurdles that you came across and the, the big unlockers of growth with that? Yeah, so and in the beginning, the big hurdles we came across was actually trying to get any funding. You know, and so we built it and funded it ourselves. And back then, it was literally, it was the first iPhone that was out. And so we were very early. And we spent a lot of time in the beginning approaching fundraising like, you know, academics would with an entire thesis and, and intro and methods and conclusion and a discussion. And it didn't go down too well with investors. Our favorite slide was a slide that, you know, basically outlined our business model, which was free with fireworks. Um, and as you can imagine, what seemed like a very philanthropic go out and just train the world of surgeons uh, tool didn't really ring bells with any investors. 
And actually, we couldn't even raise any grant capital back then. But that was kind of like the first hurdle. The first hurdle was trying to understand and embrace how do you build a sustainable business and how do you create value and measure value and then you know, really translate that value into, into something that people understand and want to support, right? And so it was a mindset change for us as clinicians stepping into the world of entrepreneurship. So that was a really big, big challenge at the outset. And then I guess the second challenge was from a growth perspective was we released this, this product and we had traction and downloads and usage and we just had so many opportunities in front of us. It was about how do you uh, maximize uh, time that you spend on certain activities to deliver the most value you can and what was the best way to prioritize those things. And so that was also quite a challenge for us back then. Sure. And, and interesting hearing you talk about that mindset change, because we at episode one, you, you were the first surgeon that we backed in, in, in their startup, and we've since backed another. So I am interested in whether there are character traits that are shared across surgeons and across entrepreneurs. And beyond that, what it was, what the penny was that dropped that then allowed you to raise that round of funding? Was it a, a realization that you kind of needed to sell the dream big rather than sticking very much to the facts or, or what was it? I think we always very much stuck to the facts. I think myself and my, my co-founder Andre, we were naturally very competitive and competitive, I think in a positive way. I think competition can sometimes be not necessarily the healthiest thing, but competitive in terms of we were prepared to risk our entire surgical career and a lot of years of dedication, education, and blood, sweat, and tears to pass all these exams, right, for what we felt was an opportunity to make a, an impact that could be big in surgery. And if you look at what investors and people look for from an alignment perspective, I, I think like we were the most aligned entrepreneurs you can find because we literally bet our entire career and existence, you know, and by existence, I mean, you know, when you're going to the world of surgery, you, you, you know, it certainly defines your character. It almost becomes a definition of your identity. And we took that entire you know, identity and just put it on the line for what was an opportunity back then. And, and now, if I think about it now with a very sensible mind, I don't know if I would have done it. <laughs> you know, if I, if I actually wasn't kind of a, a little bit um, super risky, I, I don't know if I would have done it again. But that, I think, was one of the things that, from a caricature perspective, we had, which was this ability to, you know, take a lot of risk, but do so in a way where it was all about executing. And so for us, we put ourselves into a position where, you know, execute or, you know, really fail. And for us, that failure was, was going to be quite a big pill to swallow. And, you know, I, I think that that was one thing. The other thing is within surgery and within kind of medicine, you know, there's a lot of transferable skills that you learn. There's, there's lots of skills that you don't learn as well, which you have to learn. But there's a lot of things that I think were transferable in terms of just always trying to self-criticize, self-assess, never really believing your own uh, assumptions. Always be testing and always be critical of your own assumptions. And, and those are things that I think within healthcare, those are examples of things that I think were transferable skills that we, we brought into the world of you know, entrepreneurship with us. So... Really interesting. I can see why you did manage to raise funding when you talk about it with that level of commitment. That's what investors want to see in founders is all in, which is great. What was the first big moment where you realized we're onto something here? What was like your first big win? Good question. I, I think 
we never felt that, if I'm really honest. And although externally people were like, oh, you've just raised money, you've raised millions of dollars, or oh, you've just done this contract, we, we never felt like we were winning, if it's weird to say. You know, we always felt like, oh, there's just like more stuff to do now and even more that we've just committed ourselves to do. Whether it was doing a contract or whether it was signing bigger contracts or whether it was, it was always like the, the fear that we had, like just committed ourselves to an even bigger task. And so that was the, the journey, really. I look at it now and I see, okay, there were milestones which redefined things. But when, you were, when we were in it, it was never, oh, aha, we're there. It was always like we've just committed ourselves to doing even more work sounds like it's reluctantly being pulled by all the the great success as fascinating to hear that and now that you've been acquired what's that like to be working at another company it must be very different from being a, a founder working across the entire business yeah i mean our acquisition wasn't an acquisition that just just happened it was something that ran through a process that you know was one that we pretty much ran because fundamentally for us it wasn't about this transition of an acquisition it was about a transition of being able to continue the work that we were doing in a way that was even more scaled and even more leveraged it pretty much feels it feels similar but we have obviously different levers right now within a bigger organization but we spent a lot of time with Medtronic talking about how combining forces would have a net mega positive impact on the direction of um, travel within surgery as it comes to data, as it comes to really being able to impact surgery. And so that, that was A, the reason for the, for, the, for the acquisition. B, we were very deliberate on team and structure and how that would work. And that continued. And then the third thing is, for us, we never saw the acquisition as a, you know, an endpoint. And I think a lot of people have some misconstrued view. And I think sometimes maybe the, the label of exit, I think, gives that. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any such thing as an exit. I think if you're, you know, it's just like almost like a graduation. And so kind of working within a bigger organization, we have bigger leaders and we have the opportunity to do, to do more. And it's just about being thoughtful and being smart about how you integrate and also, you know, doing a lot of the work up front during an acquisition process to really map out how value is going to continue to be created even more so once an acquisition has happened. I think it'd be worth clarifying to the audience just that, that Jean now works at Medtronic, which is the company that acquired Touch Surgery. I think it'd be a good good time to move on to the to the SPAC because I know lots of lots of our listeners would be fascinated by it, given all the the SPAC hype in the press. And so it'd be great to hear your you know story, how you came across it, how you got involved, what it actually means to raise a SPAC. Okay, so I guess firstly just to define a SPAC, you know, I you know I came across SPACs two years ago two or three years ago a good friend who works for a pretty kind of successful investor was was mentioned the structure and when the acquisition happened i spent a lot of time speaking to omar ishrak who was a chairman of Medtronic and previously a ceo and had just become the chairman of intel and you know we spent a lot of time talking about the direction of travel and healthcare and as we had these conversations it was really around discovering together that we thought the impact of kind of computational power in healthcare was just going to continue and continue. And Omar was really passionate about this space, as was I. 
having built a computational business in surgery. And so we ended up then having a view and a thesis that we started to, to build together, which was what are the things that we felt were going to be materially impactful in this space and how could we be involved? And consequentially, we thought, well, you know, uh, there are vehicles out there which would allow us to, to be involved. And then Omar got interested in, in SPACs and I connected him with an investor of ours and uh, Josh Fink, who then really was important in, in structuring and helping putting the, the vehicle together. And so what's a SPAC? Well, a SPAC is uh, a vehicle that, that allows uh, a group, uh, the promoter group, to essentially capitalize a business and in doing so, bring it into the public market. And it allows a reverse listing into the market for the acquired company. And companies have different options at their, at their, in their life cycle of capital raising. Yeah, they can obviously continue to raise private rounds. They can end up getting acquired or they can go public. But going public, the options are you know, to, to IPO or to go th- to list through a SPAC. Right? And fundamentally for us, our entire approach to, to listing a SPAC was to be a team of promoters that can be very helpful for the business that was listing. And by having Omar involved, myself and, and, and Josh, it was really around bringing a dynamic partnership of operators and capital kind of capital market financiers to the table who could help companies in the next part of their life cycle of growth. And that's really why we put it together. Our aim is to work with great companies and great management teams as they transition from being private companies to being public companies. Interesting. So would it be a sort of advisor type role for the acquired company? It could be. I mean, it could be, it could take many shapes. It really depends on the conversations with the companies, you know, but ultimately we want to understand the company. We want to be value, valuable. We want to be value added and, you know, we want to, to be supportive. So it's almost in the same way that every investor in the private market, especially in venture thinks through their thesis, you, you try and make investments into companies you understand and companies you also want to be helpful to. And so it's the same philosophy, the same approach, but on a larger public scale. So if you were the CEO of a business, why would you want to be acquired um, by a SPAC? Yeah, that's a great question. So the way to think about this is every time that you know I was involved in fundraising, I would always ask myself the question of, okay, who are the people that I'm bringing now to join the board ultimately and to be part of the journey of the business? And in my mind, and most entrepreneurs today, there's so many options out there for capital that's a really important question to ask yourself. What does the capital come with? Who are the people you know, behind the capital and what's the value they're going to add? And I think if I was a CEO of a company today in the market as it is, what I would be always asking myself is, who do I want to work with and who can help me in the next kind of iteration of growth that I, I need? Through different stages of the company, different things and different levers are available to you to, to deliver growth. And so when I look at kind of like SPACs and I think about SPACs and I, as a founder, as, as we thought about the SPAC, it was like, you know, who would I like, if I was a, a healthcare entrepreneur, who would I want at that stage of the business as I transition from being a private business to a public business? And that's why working with Omar has been so incredible here because he's one of the veterans of the healthcare world. He knows you know, everything there is to know about kind of healthcare businesses at, at mega scales. Uh, so John, that's fascinating what you've done so far and what you're getting up to now. 
and I'm sure the the audience and listeners will feel exactly the same. So just want to say a, a huge thanks for coming on the show and I hope to stay in touch. Cool, yeah, I would love to. Fantastic riding unicorn story there from John, You're going from a surgeon to entrepreneur to now being involved in huge deals in public markets. Very exciting stuff. So Hector, what's next? So this week's Startup Spotlight is the Future Forest Company, who exists to remove CO2 out of the atmosphere at an enormous scale and allow businesses and consumers to, to offset their carbon emissions. Really excited by what they're doing. They are buying up huge areas of land around the world to plant millions and millions of trees. And on top of the reforestation alone, which isn't in itself enough to extract enough CO2 out of the atmosphere to reach our net zero goals, they place on top of the reforestation a number of technologies, which means that about 10 times the amount of CO2 is extracted from the atmosphere. So super exciting use of technology in, in fighting global warming. iAngel invested a few months ago and um, really excited by their progress. I think they're an amazing team, incredibly mission driven uh, and super excited to see how they get on. So, yeah, take a look at the futureforestcompany.com um, and let us know what you think. That's all from us this week on Riding Unicorns. Please do subscribe on your favourite podcast platform and we'll catch you next time.